Hi, everyone. Today's episode is not an easy one. We will be talking about child molestation and domestic violence abuse. So if you think you may get triggered, I ask that you either pass on this episode or listen with someone in a safe place. Andrea talks about her experiences and how she is currently healing. This is a story about a woman that is overcoming her trauma. I wanted to have you hear the stories of women that are currently in the process of healing. It's important to hear what it sounds like to have hope so that you know how it can motivate you to keep pushing forward. Thank you. Welcome to Not Your Average Mother Runner podcast. My name is Lisa, and this is not just a podcast about running. This is a podcast to empower women through fitness and health and everything in between. Because let's be honest, ladies, this journey could suck if we don't get our shit together. Welcome back to Not Your Average Mother Runner Podcast. My name is Lisa. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. Uh, Today's guest is a very special one because we actually have been friends and known each other for quite some time. And her name is Andrea Rojas. Welcome, Andrea. Thank you, Lisa. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Well, I'm glad that you're here. And like I mentioned before, we've We've known each other for quite some time, yeah, right? Yeah, a long time. And and we even traveled together <laughs> overseas. To, to Italy. Right. Many yeah, memories. Wow. 20 years ago? I don't remember. You don't need to remind me of that. 2003. But, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but the funny part is, Andrea, is that... I forgot about that. Oh yeah, God. I remember that very well. But the funny part is that even though we were friends, I didn't know you had a story to tell. Right. And I didn't know until very recently that you had this story to tell and I was in shock. So yes. So obviously I brought you here on, on the show because I wanted you to tell your story. But before we go into that, why don't you, you know, describe your childhood or where you're from um, and, you know, all of that good stuff. Okay, wonderful. Well, I'm Latina, so I'm Colombian. My parents are, my mother's from Medellin, my dad's from Bogota, and they came here in 71. They actually met in Queens in New York City. So they met, they dated, they had me and my younger sister, um, and I was born and raised in New York City in Queens, worked in Manhattan all my life, and, um, you know, uh, my parents worked very hard. I love them very dearly. And, um, you know, when you're what, seven, eight years old, um, they would leave me with my aunts, uh, and their husbands to babysit, which is normal. Um, but when I was seven, um, I had, uh, I had, uh, was a victim of child sexual abuse. And, um, one of my aunts, her boyfriend at the time, he molested me, 
for about almost a year, which that wasn't, I mean, it was bad enough, but at least it stopped. But the second abuser, my, my favorite aunt, and she's my godmother, her husband, um, he abused me for about three or four years. So from seven to 10. And he was like 50 years old. I mean, he was already a grown man. Um, no one had no idea because he was doing it in secret, obviously. So every week I would get molested, it, it would seem, or twice a week. And he would touch me in my private parts. He even tried to kiss me once. It was, I was so scared, you know. And, um, but all throughout that time, I was praying to God, I, crying to bed every night in secret and asking him, why is this happening? I mean, is that my purpose on earth to be a sex object? Like, this is what I thought at seven. So I thought that was my purpose, <laughs> you know? So um, I was like, well, you know, I hope this ends soon. So at 10 years old, we went to um, a beach in Long Island with the whole family. And I don't know, I was going into the ocean and he motions like he's going to touch me in the ocean, like in my underwear. And then all of a sudden, I guess the grace of God, I turned my, you know, my back to him um, and kind of like saying no. And ever since that, he never touched me ever again. So it stopped. So I was really relieved. And then I just kind of like, instead of telling someone, cause I was too, I was afraid to tell my mother, she's very strict Latina. And, um, I was afraid of her. So I said, you know what, let me just forget about this. Let me bury it. And, um, I'll just, it's a nightmare. I'll just forget about it. And that's it. And I'll just focus on school. So I became an overachiever and put all my work, time and energy in school, getting straight A's. Uh, I was doing all the chores. Like I was a good daughter, you know, perfect daughter. And that happened for many years. Um, I went to a specialized high school, our high school of art and design in Manhattan. We moved to Staten Island. So I commuted two and a half hours to school. And then around 16, I was a junior. I think I got um, injured or something on my knee. So I went to the nurse's office and they have like a questionnaire, a form. And they asked, have you ever been sexually abused as a child? So that was just like a trigger, like, oh my God, what? Like all the memories shot back. I've never thought about this in a long time. And I, I just started crying uncontrollably. And the guidance counselor, she was really good. She was like, what happened? Tell me, you can trust me. And I told her the whole story. I told her my parents don't know, please don't tell them. She said, don't worry, as long as you, whatever you want to do, you can confide in me. So I went for counseling. And um, after that, it just wasn't the same. I went into a depression. I was blowing school. My assignments, I wasn't doing it. I applied to like FIT, um, you know, uh, Savannah School of Design, uh, Parsons, Pratt, um, my art portfolio was eh, it was so-so, like a C. I, didn't, I really didn't care. I only got accepted to prep. And I said, well, how am I going to afford that? And I didn't believe in myself. So I just blew it. And I went to the College of Staten Island Community College for two years. I kind of was depressed on and off. And they kicked me out of school for bad grades. So after that, my mom was really pissed. She was like, well, either go to a trade school or go to work. Because I don't want no 
lazy person here, you know? So, <laughs> so I was like, all right. So I went to work. I, I learned computers, Excel, whatever. And I was a receptionist and I started working my way up. Um, and then after that, uh, let's see, I was about 21 years old. I went through, I had my first serious boyfriend. I went through a bad break, breakup and uh, I was really hurt and it kind of triggered um, stuff in me. And I said, well, you know what? Uh, if he's going to hurt me, I'm going to hurt men too. So, so psychologically, since I lost control and power of myself as a child, what I did was I went out, had one night stands with these strangers, men in the city and um, had sex with them. I turned into a sex addiction. So I would just, <laughs> I mean, thank God I didn't get AIDS or raped or killed somewhere. So my mom, she somehow, this happened after 21 or about 24. It happened a while. And then she finally found out, I don't know how. And then she was like, what the hell are you doing? You can imagine a Colombian <laughs> pissed off. And she was like, what are you doing? You can get raped. You can get AIDS. Stop it. You have to stop doing this and focus on work and saving money for your future. And I'm like, all right. So after that, um, um, I kind of got a better job. I worked at Standard & Poor's as a secretary, then admin assistant. And then um, uh, I had another boyfriend at the time, really good guy. And I went to therapy. Finally, I went to therapy. I did some group therapy. And my therapist was saying, well, why don't you confront your abuser? Maybe that will help you a little bit in your healing. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay. So I had to write a letter. And since, you know, they only really speak Spanish, I kind of translated it and wrote this like two page letter. So Andrea, before and, you, before you say anything yeah. further, I just want to ask you this question. So sure. this entire time, your yeah. mother does not know. She doesn't know except um, until I wrote that letter in therapy. Okay. And then my therapist said, good question. My therapist said, all right, are you going to do it in front of your parents so they can see his reaction or alone? And I'm like, no, everybody should be there. Mm. So I, I was about 26. Um, and then I finally told my mother, oh my God, this was really hard for me. I told my mother, Alberto, that's his name. He, 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 he so the me. so he was still in within the family. Oh yeah, I would have to like many people act like I went to my quinceañera party. He I danced with him. Like I had to act to put on this stupid face. Oh my god! Like like everything was normal. <laughs> you know, all the holidays, mm -hmm. everything. You know. Mm -hmm. So my parents had no idea. Um, so then I told my mother. She was like, "What? I never saw anything. What are you talking about? You were molested. That's impossible." <laughs> She's like, I would have known. And I'm like, no, well, he's not going to do it in front of you. Mm -mm. <laughs> That's the whole idea. So, so, so then she believed me and then she's like, well, then she blamed me. And she said, well, why didn't you tell, say anything? You know, this happened like 30 years ago. And I'm like, <laughs> I was terrified. I was scared. What do, what do I want a seven year girl, little girl to do? Mm. I wasn't sure what to do, so I, I decided not to, sh you know, I was too scared. But I told that I've been in therapy, and then I'm going to confront him, and I want you to be there to be witness. So I told my, my dad to, all right. And then I told 
my aunt um and she was like she was in shock also but then she believed me right and uh and i told her listen i'm gonna well i didn't tell her i was gonna confront this happened by surprise i just happened to drop with my parents at their apartment um so i did that on purpose just to get them off guard um and then what do, what do you call it? I So I, I dropped there with my parents at their apartment in Queens. Um, and then he was surprised. So it, I could tell from his body language, like, oh, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> you know, because we never really visit as I was growing older. Mm-hmm. Really did just holidays, maybe. Um, so then we were chit-chatting, you know. Uh, and then I took out my letter. <laughs> and... Um, I read I read the letter out loud in Spanish. So Andrea, so so was this <laughs> or did you say okay I'm about to say something or did you just like pull out the letter and just started just started talking? No, I just I pulled out the letter and then I said, "Well, the real reason I stopped by or we stopped by is mm. I want to talk to you about something that's been on my mind for the last what 25 years." Mm. Or what, what have you? Well, I was twenty six, so, and <laughs> he was like, so then my my um, so everyone knew what I was going to talk about. So then I read the letter, and uh, I didn't cry or anything. I was just kind of like, I'm ready for this, you know. Um, and then he's like acting right. He, he's acting like the saint and saying, "What do you mean?" Uh, like, <laughs> you know, like saying, I never, what do you mean? I never touched you. What are you talking about? You know, I don't remember. So then I was like, please. <laughs> I, I went in detail how he molested me. I mean, and he showed porno one time and his Playboys and Penthouse magazines all around. I mean, it was gross. And, um, and then they started crying. My aunt started crying. My parents, you know. And then, he, then he said he admitted it. He said, "Yeah, I d- I did it." He got in, on his knees, and they said, "Please forgive me. Uh, the devil got into me, or some BS." And I'm like, "Whatever." I, <laughs> he didn't even say I'm sorry. At least you know nothing. I got nothing. Right. No. Right. No remorse. Not no nothing. I'll pay you for your therapy all this time. Mm-hmm. No, I got nothing. So we just left. I said my piece and I left with my folks. And after that, you know, I thought, okay, I'll be back to normal. <laughs> and, um, you know, all my problems will be solved. And actually it doesn't work that way. It's not that easy. Mm-hmm. So I like, was, yeah. So going through that whole ordeal, you know, um, before you even got to the point where you said something to him and, and confronted him, did right. anybody know besides the therapist? Did a friend, did anybody else know besides your parents? Cause you said you, you told your parent, but did anybody else know? Did you ever tell Just anybody my boyfriend, else? My boyfriend at the time and my, one of my best friends, girlfriends. And, and that was it. That was really it. My sister. Okay. And yet, And so, and yet you still had to see him at all these family gatherings. Yeah. So I'm used to acting and putting on the smile. I see. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. At what point did you at what point did you say to yourself, "Oh, I think I need to, you know, cuz you mentioned that you had some therapy. Did mm-hmm. you take it upon yourself to do that and and why?" Um Yeah, I mean, you know, after my 20s, the the sex addiction, I was going through a really dark period. And I was suicidal, I was depressed. Um I don't know. I saw like on TV or whatever, um, I started reading books and they said therapy really works. Cognitive behavioral therapy, Mm -hmm. just so that you get your feelings out and make sense of it. And you have to feel the feelings, which I didn't want to do. I was really stubborn in my therapy. And um, I mean, you do, you have to go through all that. And I went through several different therapists um, because it was just too hard for me. Once it got too hard after some months, I was like, all right, well, I need to stop. And, and I ran away. So when you say too hard, you mean that you be, you were overcome by all the feelings and the emotions that were associated with the experience? Yes. Yes. It was just too, I just could not, you know, uh, I remember one of my male therapists, he was really good. Um, he said I had general anxiety disorder, which, you know, I, under, I understand I do. Um, and he said, every time I would say something or a memory, he was, he, I would start to tear up. And he's like, what's the tears about? Like, tell me about that. And I'm like, I froze. I just couldn't. I was like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm embarrassed. I, and I just, it was so hard to like get the words out. And I, or I couldn't get the word. You know, it was just because I, I buried it for so many years, you know, to make sense of out of it. It was like a puzzle. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. so, so were you so you had a you had a sister and I know you said that you this was this the one man that you confronted. That wasn't mm-hmm. the first person. There was that that first person yes. prior to. Correct. Yeah. My aunt's boyfriend. OK. Did was it only you or did, did he ever touch uh, for both of those men? Did, yeah. Was it only you or did he no, touch I'm your sure, sister? I'm sure I'm not the first. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they seem like pedophiles to me. So I'm sure right. maybe, maybe in Colombia, maybe who knows? Well, I meant like, not, right. But I don't mean like you being the first ever as, as their victim, mm-hmm. but I mean more of, were you the only one in the family that was? Yes. Okay. Only one. Yeah. But I guess to elaborate, when I told my mother and my aunts, my two aunts, um, my mother confided in me, well, to be honest, I was molested too by my brother. So she said back in the day, in the 50s, they lived on a farm in Medellin. She would milk the cows, that was her chores, and he would molest her there. And then this is interesting now. My other aunt, Amalia, who I love, my godmother, she said, oh, I was molested too, but don't say anything. Don't, don't tell your mother. I'm like, why are you keeping it a secret? Let's bring everything out in the open. And mm-hmm. till this day, they're like in their, what, 70s now. They were still keeping it a secret. And my other aunt too was molested by their brothers. Yeah. So you I feel like, know that. I know. I, did, I was shocked. I was like, oh my God, all these secrets. And I'm like, you know what? The legacy, it stops with me. Shit stops uh, here. Not, God forbid my daughter. No. Yeah, that's why I'm very, you know, control, like not controlling, but very protective of her. You know? Right, right. And I, I like that you just said that. That actually gave me chills when you said that. 
It stops right here. Yeah. And you're thinking of your daughter because you're thinking, no way in hell are you going to no have way. your daughter go through that. The, I would kill the person first. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I mean, I, you know what I mean. Right. So <laughs> then, so let's go to that time where you Ooh, finally, <laughs> yeah, you finally bring it up to him and he's obviously not apologetic. And you're saying, you're thinking to yourself, okay, I let it out. Now I'm free. Now I can, now the healing begins. Yeah. But in a, in a, in a sense, it does begin, but it's not easy. It's, and it's not over. And it's not over. So no. talk a little bit about that journey, the healing part. Um, yeah, it's like I was saying, I did therapy on and off. I would stop. And then, um. I did group therapy once, which was eye-opening because it's the first time I spoke in the open and the therapist was good um, with other women, survivors, about exact same feelings I felt, they felt. It was weird to hear that. And um, I'm like, oh my God, I always thought I was a different person all this time, you know, and I'm, I'm just one in a million. So that helped me a lot. Um, journaling reading a lots of books on healing and um, women who've gone through the sexual abuse too. And, um, you know, I, and also God being close to God. I first, um, I hated God for what he let happen to me. Cause I was always like, well, why didn't you do anything? You're so powerful. Why are you letting this monster touch me all the time? You know, and I would get nothing. And then finally it stopped. But, but then I guess as you mature and read, you begin to understand that that's what life is. You go through these hardships for whatever reason, and then you come out so with some you, kind of purpose. Are we, so this time that you're talking about, because I know that you eventually met the father of your daughter. Is right. what you, the, so the time period that we're talking about right now that you're, you know, you're journaling, you're going through this process. Was that time frame correct? Yeah, it was before I got married. Okay. So. All right. So you were you feeling at that point? Did you feel at that point that you felt like there were some, you know, some successes within yourself of of healing? Did you feel a little bit of peace, or did you still feel at that time prior to meeting? Um, your hut, your, 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 the father of your daughter, mm -hmm. um, you know, did you feel like um, you were still like, uh, you know, this is going to be a long haul. I'm not there yet. Or were you like, okay, I got this. I, I'm, I'm, I got this. Um, you know, it, it was still a midway, I should say point because I was still in a depression, anxiety, like I was at work, but I wasn't really, um, I was working at Standard & Poor's, but I wasn't happy there. I was making good money at the time, but I, was, I wasn't happy. In fact, I was going back into my depression, um, on and off antidepressants, medication, and I hated taking pills. That's why I kept on and off. And um, it affected my work performance. And then my boss and my coworkers began to notice like, what was I doing all day? I wasn't really, you know, doing my database. I wasn't really uh, performing. So my boss, and she was really nice. Like, she was patient with me. And 
she spoke to me first privately a couple of times. I got written up and then I got like group meeting and they they dismissed me. Like, just like in college, they dismissed me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I was like, oh my God, what am I doing? You know, uh, and I was really depressed. And this was back in 2006, 2007. 2006 um, was a really dark year. I tried to commit suicide a couple of times and I just couldn't take the pain, emotional pain. I just thought this is never going to be over. I'm always going to be like this. I'm never going to follow my dreams. Like it's very negative. Um, but then one day, one day, um, one night I called my psychiatrist at the time and she was awesome. Uh, Dr. Lynn Elman. she was in the Upper West Side in the city. And she calmed me down. She she talked, you know, with me. I said it's going to be okay. It's temporary, and she prescribed me medication. Um, and you know, it it worked for a little bit, but still, it wasn't like um, uh, I got this really. I was kind of like up and down. Did you get a lot of support from? So during that time, did you feel like you're you're you had more support or less support, or nothing has changed from your no. family and friends? Uh, um. Not really, because since I've always been a loner, I really didn't tell my parents or my mom. I felt like, well, they're not going to understand me. And for me, like my first language really is English since I was went to school here and everything in Spanish. I have to think in Spanish and translate it to them. So I feel like it's more work for me to <laughs> communicate with my mother. And I felt like, you know what, this is too much for me. I'm already on edge, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, think in Spanish and translate. No, it's too much. So, um. I, you know, my friend, not really. I really didn't. I was alone. Okay. So I know that you eventually did meet, (laughs) you eventually met the father of your daughter. Tell us at that point, and I know this is really hard for you. Mm -hmm. Okay. But keep in mind, you're here. Right. And not there. Okay. So we are present here. And where where were you at the point of your life when you came across meeting him? Where were you? Were you still in in, in that depressive, you know, emotional uh, um, being? I, I don't think I was that depressed. I think I was was about 2007. I got just, uh, you know, fired from Standard & Poor's. You know, I was mm-hmm. there six years. And um, so I was like, all right, shit, I got to find a job. Couldn't find anything with the temperatures because at that time also it was um financial crisis the the all the, the housing market went down so it, it was really bad um so i walked around the west village pounding the pavement and i found this restaurant this little bistro and i'm like all right i'll just work as a waitress i did it before you know i got the job hired on the spot and then the chef there was the father his name is uh, willie so I thought, you know, wow, this guy is so powerful. He makes these like beautiful chef plates, dinner plates, like four stars almost it looks like. And he had clients rave at him. And and I was always attracted to powerful men. And I think it has a lot of, to do with, you know, because I didn't have my power. So I want to be next to power. Mm-hmm. You understand? So even though he wasn't, Robert Redford, he was like this short little Mexican, like dark, um, five feet. I mean, I was compared to him. I was like Grace mm-hmm. Kelly, you know, 
but he had this power. Anyway, so that's how I met him in 2008. And then we were friends for a while. And then later that year, um, we started dating, hanging out. And then one night, I was living at home. One night I came home. I didn't never call my mom. And at five o'clock in the morning, I finally came home with him. And uh, she was like, well, who is this guy? You know, and she looked him, you know, that when the mothers looked them up and down, that look, oh my God. <laughs> and he was wearing raggedy jeans from like dollar store. <laughs> that's a that's a Latin mother for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my God. He's so dark and he has a scar on his eyebrow. And anyway, so she's like, who's that? Or what is that? <laughs> and I'm like, well, it's my friend. And she's like, yelling at me because I didn't call. I came late. And she's like, well, are you dating him or what? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, well, if you're going to be with him, then I can't have you in this house. So she kicked me out. So (laughs) I know. So that kind of jump started. Well, I'm alone. And he was like, don't worry. um, Let's go to my sister's apartment and then we'll find our own place to live together. So he kind of rescued me, which I liked. I like to so, be taken care of. So. Before you say that any further, yeah. but when you came to your mom's house, you were looking to you were looking to live with him at your mom. No, not, no, 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 no. He brought me home all the oh, way home. Okay, he lived okay. in Queens, oh, and I lived okay. in Staten Island. Okay, so he brought me all the way home. Yes, you know. So okay, all right. So no, now, I, yeah, I didn't want to. I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> I was just with him. Right. Okay. So then now yeah. he's saying about his his sister that you were gonna move in with them. Right. And okay. then and then in a month we got our own place, own okay. little studio. Okay. And then how was that relationship? I mean, you know, I saw some red flags, but obviously because I felt like I could fix him, and also because I fell in love with him, that was the main part. Um, I thought so- well. Before you say anything else, this yeah. I think this is very important to talk about because okay. people say red flags, but what the heck does that mean? So without telling, okay. without saying all of them, but okay. what were like some of the ones that you're just like, and I almost think that when I think of red flags, it's almost like the record scratches, <laughs> like mm. it goes, and you're like, uh, and I'm blind. Yeah. And then you're like, uh, and then you're like, oh. And then you kind of like, okay, well, I'll oversee that. So what were some of the red flags that you started, that you seen um, that later on you thought, hmm. Alcoholic. Mm. Drinking at work. I mean, Mm. all hours. That was number one. Number two, I wasn't used to that. Number two, um, very controlling. He would check my phone, like my Facebook. He's like, oh, why do you have to post that? Or why do you have to do this? And who is this person? Why do you have a man friend? You know, stuff like that. I wasn't used to that either. And then he, three, he was um, getting to be violent too. So did he so, already hit, did he, or was he already putting his hands on you? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think, I don't remember uh, what happened, but he was getting a little bit, you know, he pushed me one time and I was like, and then I would always deny it. I'm like, Oh, it must've been my fault. Or I would always blame myself. Okay. So when you think about all those, and I'm saying, I'm asking you this Mm -hmm. because 
there could be women who are listening, watching, who may be in the the same situation. So when Mm -hmm. you are seeing these red flags and you said that you were in love with him, what are the things that you were telling yourself when you saw that? Because one of them was you said you blamed yourself. Were you saying like, oh, I I, I deserve to get hit? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did. And I thought that because deep down, and then this is stemming from the child abuse, I thought, well, I'm not good enough. No. Um, you know, I'm already, you know, my past. I thought it was, I had a lot of shame within myself. I, I thought it was already dirty. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt like, well, this is all I'm going to good. I'm going to get. So I felt like, okay, blame myself. I already blame myself anyway. Okay. So So you went through this whole, you know, relationship with him. You're obviously in love with him. And then you have the birth of your daughter. Yeah. How was that? Well, um, we got married in December, 2009. And as soon after we got married, I got pregnant. I was really shocked, but I was happy. He was happy too. Like the following January found out. And then, um, yeah, she was born in September, 2010. And I was elated. I mean, I had a beautiful pregnancy. I didn't have all these issues like this other woman had and birth was great. So, um, you know, it was, it was a really nice time. Okay. So when she was born, and you're you're enjoying, you know, you're happy that she was born and all that. Um, did anything change with your relationship with um, with uh, you know with him? No. <laughs> okay. Not really. But in your mind, you're having the daughter. Did anything inside you change, or do you did you just feel like? this was the same thing, you know, did, did anything in regards to looking at your relationship with him, did anything change after you had your daughter? Um, no. Okay. Nothing so, changed. It was the same. So then at what time, what point, because Andrea, you're obviously not with him anymore, right? Right, right. So then what, at what point, what happened for you to then decide that this was not someone I wanted to be with? Um, you know, after we were dating and, um, we got married, um, after about a year, two years, I was like, what am I doing? Um, you know, I, I knew this was a very dangerous man. Uh, and I was already going through different, uh, levels of abuse, physical abuse, uh, mental, verbal, um, sexual, you know, financial, controlling everything. So I was like, what am I going to do to get out of this nightmare? You know, and my parents don't really know. At that point, I didn't tell them. I was afraid to tell them. So um, so then I prayed to God that um, that this would stop. And, it, and of course, it didn't. And I tried to help him. You know, I tried to help him. Um, go into Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, you know, I would always help him when he got home, took care of him, but I was exhausted already. I, you know, I had a full-time job. I had a new baby, mm-hmm. you know, thank God I had a nanny, a babysitter mm-hmm. that would take care of her while I work, but still, I mean, it was too much. I, I was depleted. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, he's not going to change. 
So I had to find a way out. So I researched online um, for like safe havens and I found this um, Safe Horizon. I think you've mm-hmm. known about it. It's there in New York. So they help um, survivors like with shelters or planning. And they also have attorneys in case you want to take them to court. Um, so I'm like, all right. In this was now already 2016. January, I said, this is the year I'm getting out. So I, I did, I, I opened up a secret bank account, um, you know, started saving money. I had stuff, I had a bag ready with my passport, the birth certificate, all the papers at my job. At the time I was working at a, as a billing specialist in Manhattan and um, good job. And then, uh, I don't know, I, I figured I didn't have a set date or a goal, but I just knew within the year I would leave. Um, and then June, I think it was June 2nd, Thursday night, he came home. All right. And uh, he came home like in a rage. <laughs> so he had asked me point blank, did you take money out of our checking account? And I said, I did. And then I had to make up a story. I don't remember what I said, why I took the money out. And I actually took the money out because I needed it to escape. <laughs> so, or for a divorce attorney, what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, so he wasn't buying my bullshit, uh, uh, my BS story. Right. So then, um, you know, I don't know where he like, must have. Sl- I don't know what came first. He slapped me, slapped my face. Then he started, um, he punched my stomach. He started kicking my legs, my arms, my thighs, everywhere. He started screaming, you know, um, and I was just terrified. And I was just like, all I need to do is try to calm him down and make him pass out because he was already a little drunk, you know. So maybe with the exhaustion, he would pass out soon. So this happened like two, three hours. It's, it's just, now it's like two o'clock in the morning, you know. Wait um, a minute. So, you mean yeah. he's beating you? Yeah, like two hours. For two so, hours he was beating you. Yeah. Well, you know, he would it would stop. Right. And then he would he would like say something, I don't know, talk, yell, whatever, and then go back again. So it was like on and off for two hours. Oh my god. Yeah, okay. yeah. Where so, was, your, was your daughter sleeping or was she? She was there? asleep. She was asleep and she didn't wake up. Oh, thank God. All the, all these times, like she would always be asleep because he would get home late because he would work the dinner shift. So, mm-hmm. um, thank God. So after that, um, when he passed out, he, he took my phone too. Um, and then I didn't know where my phone was. So I was looking for it and then I saw it, it was under the bed. So what I did was I took pictures of it, of my bruises just for like evidence in case for the police. And I send it to my Gmail account and then I put the phone back under the bed. Uh, and then the next morning it was around 8 a.m. So we woke up and um, he was like, well, listen, if you want to, um, if you want to separate, you know, we can give up this apartment. You can have Alex. I'll give, I'll give you custody of Alex. And then, we'll just go our separate ways. And he was very calm. Like, <laughs> and you know, when they're calm, these narcissists that they're planning something in their head, mm. you know? So I'm just like, okay. And then he's like, all right, well you tell the landlord, we're getting off the apartment. And then 
I'm going to go across the street at the cafe and have coffee with Alex and we'll wait for you there. And I'm like, well, why, why can we all go together landlord? And he was like, he's like, no, 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 just, just, I'm telling you what to do. So I'm like, okay. So I did that. And then I went to the cafe. They're not there. Right. So now I'm getting really scared. So I call his cell phone and I'm like, where are you guys? Where's Alex? And he's like, well, what do you care? And he hung up on me. So then I'm like losing it. So this is now, this is when God comes in (laughs) because from the grace of God, I'm downstairs in front of our building. Um, We live near the seven train in Jackson Heights at the time. So there was like about 10 NYPD officers. This is why I love the police so much. And they were there on another incident across the street. (laughs) And I ran to them and I'm like, please, please, can you help me? You know, my husband took my, kidnapped my daughter. He hit me. They could see like the bruises and like, please call him or do something. So they called him right away. I guess he went in his car and um, he came back. And they started questioning him. He was across the street. I was across the street. And then after about 10 minutes, they arrested him in handcuffs. I'm like, oh, thank God. And then I'll never forget that day, that look he gave me. Like, oh, my God. It's like that look of, you finally did it, bitch. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, he looked straight at me in my eye, you know? And, um, And I was like, all right, but I need to move fast because I, I went to the in the black of police car with Alex. Can you imagine? Mm-hmm. And we went to the police station. They took photos of me. I filed a police report and that and then I asked him, well, when does he get out? And he's like, well, tonight or the next day. Oh, God. So oh. I'm like, yeah, that's how it is. You know, um, so I rushed back to my apartment. I get my bag. I get the freaking birth certificate, other papers, a little photo album, some clothes, my passport, the passports. And uh, her, um, what's her, that Anna doll from Frozen, stuffed Mm -hmm. animal. I get that for her. And I grab, um, I call a taxi in LaGuardia. We're living like 10 minutes from LaGuardia. So I, I called my sister. I told her everything what happened. I'm crying. I said, please help me. She gets me the next ticket on Spirit to Fort Lauderdale. And I had a three o'clock flight. So I get to LaGuardia. It's like a, like 1230. Right. And I, and what's her name? The flight check-in person was like, listen, we have a flight that leaves at 1 p.m. instead of three. Would you like to take it for $50 more? And I only have $50 cash on me. Can you believe it? And I said, yes, get me out of here. <laughs> <Hell hole. laughs> wow. So I know. So I get to, I get in the plane. Finally, as soon as it takes off, I'm like, oh my God, I'm free. Like, it's like, you remember that movie Midnight Express from the late seventies mm-hmm. and he gets out of the prison in the security guard <laughs> Yeah, and, and he runs. That's how I felt. Right. Okay. So <laughs> let me ask you this. You're okay. feeling you're having this feeling of freedom mm-hmm. that day when you got off and it, you would we say could we say that it was almost it felt like the the pressure was like kind of lifted when you say oh, I, or exhaling like, OK, I got out. Did you would you say that that I, I felt I'm free? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Would, would you say that when you thought about 
the day when you did confront your abuser, Mm -hmm. would you talk about the difference of that? Because you, when you, when you talked about your abuser versus when you finally left, can you just compare the two? Good question. Um, you know, there's no comparison. It's like night and day. (laughs) I did not feel this way with the abuser confronting him or doing that letter. No, this is a totally different feeling. It's, this is more like you feel it in your body, like physically I'm free. Like I've been in prison, literally I've been in prison for seven years and right. I just got out. Yeah. Okay. So. But would you even say when you thought about now, cause I kind of want to talk a little bit more until we, cause I don't want to um, go over. A, okay. Just talk about the healing process because at this point you feel like you're free. But mm-hmm. when you thought you were free, did you think about all those other things or were you just like, I'm free of him? No, I'm free of him. At that okay. Point. So then yeah. when you're moving forward, because I know you're going through this healing journey, mm-hmm. do you think that that experience helped for you to get out? Did it help even with the other things that you dealt with when you were a child? Um, yes. Yes, it did. Um it did in a lot of ways because, uh, you know, it was just another abuser, but to a worse extent, extent, I mean, not as a child, but it was different levels and it was a a person that I loved and trusted and, you know, um, but this was the, like the first like door, I would say I opened this big door, you know, uh, right. Door number one. <laughs> right. Right. Did you, right? Feel like, did you feel, did you feel <laughs> Andrea a little bit like you were empowered? I did. Mm. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then I felt like I went to heaven, heaven, yeah. when I was up, <laughs> up in that plane. <laughs> right. Right. So talk a little bit about your journey after that with healing and okay. with everything else. And what are the things that you do to, to help you on this journey? Because there's one thing you did say is that it's it's not over, you know? Well, it's not over. It's still not over. I mean, um, I still have a long way to go because, I, you know, I even see it myself, like relationships with, um, I have a really good partner right now. He's a really good man. He's, my daughter loves him. And, um, you know, um, stuff relationship with myself too um i feel like it's better than before but i still have to work on um keeping my word with myself with others that's a big one um you know uh i think also loving myself love is a big thing because I didn't have love for myself. I hated myself. Like I felt like I was a dirty person really. Like I had so much shame and, you know, I I felt like I wasn't worth anything. You know, I felt like I was just like a sex object to be honest. So, you know, I really, I had a lot of hate and a lot of this depression that that, um, it's really hate inward. Right. Um, So, um, so that, and also, uh, learning like my identity and what, who I am and what myself is, because that's the foundation, right. Of everything is how we view ourselves, uh, 
what, what we think we, who we are, um, you know, because if you don't know that, how are you supposed to make everything derives from you? So all your decisions, all your views, negative, positive, your relationships that you attract, they all come from the self. Mm-hmm. So that's been ongoing and I've, I've improved, but still I have a, a, lot, a lot of way to go. Right. How about like just even telling your narrative? Like, I you know this is not your first time telling your story. This is not the right. second. So yeah. do you feel like that's even a little bit therapy for you? I do. It, it's therapy. It's hearing my own voice, like getting it out there after so many years of being silent. Mm-hmm. Um. I think that's therapeutic and I like that other people are listening and um, hopefully my words, it can touch someone and whether they've been abused as a child or they're in a violent relationship right now, um, there's always hope and you can get out. So don't give up. Right. So there's other, um, I know that you're in a lot of face, you're in some Facebook groups um, that you get to use your voice, which is where I heard the story because I was part of this Facebook group. You invited me and it was a a woman empowerment type group uh, for healing. And, you know, would you say that being in these types of Facebook groups, do you think they help? Would they, did they help you and how do they They help you? They do. They, they absolutely help me. Um, you know, just uh, being with other women survivors and hearing what they've gone through during their story and sharing like, oh, you know, I do the same thing or, oh, you know, I, it, all these feelings that we share and in confidence, um, it's really good support and it's been helping me in my healing a lot and also yeah. trusting other women because I hardly ever trust anyone at all. Mm. Yeah. I don't, I always like, all right, what, why they be nice to me? What's their agenda? What are the intentions? I'm always mm-hmm. like this talk in, in the back of my mind. And, yeah. You know. So what is something that you would say to women who have been through this similar experience that you've been through? Because you are on this healing journey. You are recognized, you know, first of all, you're recognized this experience has happened to you. It's not stuffed. It's not hidden. Um, And also not just even with your childhood, but even the abuse that you had with um, your ex-husband. You know, Mm -hmm. what what is something that you would say to that woman who is in it? Um. I would just say that if you're listening to this or tomorrow, whatever, um, I can feel your pain. I've been there. I know that you're terrified of this person and um, what they're doing, you know, your kids, your futures. Um, I just want to hear that I'm here and I'm here for you. And, you know, um, you're not alone. I mean, I went through hell. So there's hope. You, you, you're not alone. You can get through it or get out of it, I should say. And there's help out there. There's programs that you can um, call. If nobody knows, tell somebody, tell a friend, a coworker. I don't know if you have a priest or something. Um, tell a family member if you can buy it, if you can trust a family member and um, 
just tell one person and they can listen to you and try to help you. You know, thank God I had my parents, my sister who helped me and they literally like brought me over here. Um, you never know. Sometimes we doubt that people, we don't think, oh, nobody cares. Nobody loves us. No, there's a lot of people that love you and don't, and don't kill yourself either. A lot of people, women, um, commit suicide and they feel like there's no way out. No, no, there's always a way out. It's just temporary. And also you're braver than you think, mm. you know, um, yeah. to go, to go through this, it's like a war. You're, you're yeah. in war and you're trying to get out. You're trying to go home. Right. Right. And right. you obviously did it. You know, you're in a, yeah. you're on your healing journey you are stronger, probably, you know, I'm sure you could say I was stronger than I was yesterday and the day before and the day before, and you're just getting yeah. stronger. And then, you know, I, I think about, you know, where you are now versus where you were then mm. and how big and how much you grew. It was, it's, it's worth it. Yeah, it is. And, you know, when you said about telling uh, somebody, I think that's important because I think that when women go through these things, um, we are the, the shame, the, mm -hmm. the guilt, uh, even if it's even if it's just being with living with an alcoholic, nobody knows. Right. Right. And it's and I almost feel like the minute that they tell somebody it is the catalyst of change in yes. a good way. Just that one person. You know, it, it makes a, a, a difference in, in the whole, uh, the event of, of you getting out of the situation. That's all so, it takes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you. So where can we find you, Andrea? I know that you, like I mentioned some of the Facebook <laughs> groups, but where are you? Yeah. Okay. Um, so on Facebook, I'm at Andrea Joanna Rojas. So Joanna, J-O-J-O-A-N-N-A Rojas, R-O-J-A-S. Um, in the Facebook groups, I'm in uh, Healing Through Sexual Abuse. Rachel Grant leads that. Um, that's really good because they have um, healing support workshops, videos. Um, she's really good. Um, and then also Renee Michelle's group, Empowering Women from Victim to Victory, is the other group that's very good. Um, healing and also... A lot of those women not only been through sexual abuse, but domestic violence as well. So. Mm -hmm. Andrea, I am so proud of you. Oh, thank you. I, oh. I am very, very <laughs> proud of you. I, You are a strong woman. You are a warrior. You, you know, you are thriving. Okay. You're not just yes. existing. You are thriving. You're doing the work. Thank and I think that, that every time you tell your story, you have to understand when you tell your story, a little part of you starts healing and, yes, you know, and, and you're helping women, you know, empowering them by you telling your story. I think it's huge. So I want to just thank you so, so much for oh, being on here. Glad to be here. Thanks so, for listening. Of course. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's so good to see you. So I just want to, again, thank you. And you're I want to, I want to thank everyone for listening and, and watching, and I really appreciate it. And until next time, bye. Bye-bye.